my experience with manipulation was through the court system and also with my parents. My mom and dad separated when I was six, and the ensuing legal battle lasted for about a decade. And being between trying to give a police officer a testimony or trying to explain to like a, a family counselor what was going on, you know, the, the impact that manipulation had on me was I, I really never felt like there was a truth to my life. There were so many pieces of information that I was receiving from my dad or from my mom or from the state or whatever that I wanted to believe were true or that felt true. But I realized that there is no like black and white entirely. Like the truth can be many different things at the same time. I got diagnosed with personality disorder and it was so life-changing that I was like, I feel like this thing whatever happens to your mind when you're on psychedelics really has the potential to open you up to yourself. And I don't know, it, it became a little less scary to acknowledge the dark side of myself because my ego wasn't there to get in the way of it. The Collective Perspective is set out on a mission to understand some of the most impactful and controversial trends and topics in our lives today. Hi, I'm Jeff. Hi, I'm Travis. Hi, I'm Jawad. Can we find common ground in the middle in a peaceful manner, but with real community benefit? We believe as veterans and concerned citizens, we are striving to bring together diverse views with fact-based research to navigate this tough terrain in a search of a viable path forward. How do we unify as Americans and prove we aren't all that much different? So meet us in the middle, not the left or the right. In season two, we have decided to focus on researching and exposing fake news and fake information. We're tired of the media lying to us. We're tired of the fake news. Tired of the government lying to us. We, we want, want to know, know the truth. truth. And our mission is to seek the truth. Everybody, this is the Collective Perspective Podcast. And we're here in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. Talking to you from the Icon Recording Studio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Collective Perspective. This is Jeff. And this is Travis. And this is Jawad. What's up, fellas? What's up, bro? How's it going? Today, we're going to kind of take a daunting task, I, I think, in a way. Maybe it's just the term, but today we're going to talk about dark psychology. And dark psychology is the study of the human condition in relation to the psychological nature of humans to prey on others. Dark psychology is a phenomenon which people use tactics of motivation, persuasion, manipulation, coercion to get what they want. Hey, Jeff, is that illegal? Uh, what do I look like, a cop? <laughs> what do I look like, a lawyer to you? No, it's good. No, yes and no. Once the manipulating conditions affect someone's personal life, their rights, then yes. Believe it or not, we're being manipulated all the time. I could say even down to there are some pastors in church that manipulate people. Right, George? Yes. Now, does it come down to, again, like with one of our previous episodes, intention? It's all about the intention. If it's, there's a different, there's two words that we're really talking about here. And I already mentioned one of them. I already mentioned both of them. Manipulation and persuasion. They're very close related. And what really flips the coin is the intent. I can persuade you. Persuading you is trying to get you to do something that is good for you, that you're going to benefit from it. Or like in my pray. opinion, my opinion, it's good for you. In my opinion, it's good for you. In my opinion, not just a general. But see, that's my intent is to, to offer you something good. I'm trying to persuade you to do this. Like, hey, you should buy this microphone. This microphone's really good. It's going to make your voice sound well. The Dynacaster DCM6. <laughs> 
I just want to say, since you said that, thank you, SE Electronics, for your donation of the DCM-8 and the DCM-6. We really love these microphones. Awesome mics. As a field of study, dark psychology is not illegal. It's an academic discipline focused on understanding harmful human traits and behaviors. So when it becomes illegal is during certain activities. Sometimes the manipulative actions are illegal if they infringe on another person's rights or violate laws. That's when it becomes illegal. For example, a politician may use dark psychology to manipulate the media into presenting them favorable. A salesperson uses manipulation tactics to convince potential customers to purchase a product that they don't need. As a salesperson myself, I say BS because I only offer things people do need. If they don't want it, then they don't, I'm not trying to manipulate them into anything. I find myself more of a solution provider than a sales guy. And I think that's more of car salesmen. And there are people that are out there selling something that are giving you misinformation about what the product is or what it does. I would never lie to my customer. I think that car salesmen could be close to that dark manipulation or dark psychology and bordering on illegal in how they present certain vehicles. If you ask someone for the Carfax or, hey, or no... You don't ask for it. You say, hey, is, has this car been an accident? So I don't know. Look at this. This thing's in great shape. When you do further research, find out that it was in a car accident, you were manipulated. You were told and, th and you believed that they were being honest with you when, in fact, they weren't. They're trying to make the sale to get that commission. And your boss may use dark psychology to control employees and keep them in line. Right, CEO of BlackRock? Or, like you said, in religion. You use religion as a form of manipulation for your parishioners. Right. And let's clarify that because there are a lot of pastors that don't. They're very nonchalant, I guess is a good term, or passive, like, hey, we're a member-driven church. Please donate. That would be great, basically. Then there's the pastor that says, you are sinful. You are bad. You are bad. You're a bad. And the only way out of it is to tithe, pretty much. One, one perspective, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not into stereotyping, so I wouldn't say that all of pastors do that. I'm just saying the last church I worked for did. Your daughter went to, is she still in a Catholic school? No, she's out of the beach now doing school online. Yeah, it was Protestant. Online. She did start Catholic. That school that she went to, one of my neighbors... You're right, she did start Catholic and then she went Protestant. Okay, church. she did change. My neighbors in one of the neighborhoods we lived in here in Fleming Island, their kids went to... a a Catholic school, I think it was. Catholics are crazy, dude. And for them to be able to go to that school, they had to tithe a certain amount of money. The The church knew how much each of them made, and they said, we need at least this much in tithing on top of the tuition and everything else. Or volunteer, or you're going to have to pay more if you don't volunteer. You can volunteer and you'll pay less. If you volunteer, you got a discount. But you're still paying. I mean, that that's not a persuasion at that point. That's Yeah, that's using tactics there. Manipulation. I guess the premise of the gospel is free will. It's, it's what you desire to do, not forced to do. Or manipulated, like you would say. But hey, let's say some pastors need a pool. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that was in the news around here in our area just last year, I think. I'm not saying that I dislike Christianity or Bible stuff. I'm just saying that there is good and bad. 
there is manipulation and there's persuasion. And I was just going to say that. I guess when you know the truth about something and it's a requirement, a biblical requirement, sometimes that's persuading someone, hey, this is the right thing to do, but with the right intent, the right heart of it. You know what I'm saying? So... I think the manipulative part of it is scare tactic. The persuasive side of it, that's positive. The persuasive side of it is knowing the truth of it and what pleases God. If you're doing it with your heart, then you're not doing anything wrong. I agree with you. If you're doing it out of love. Understanding the behaviors in the emotions, motivations, and triggers that drive people to act a specific way. Influence and persuasion. Creating false needs and desires and exploiting vulnerabilities like you need a shot manipulating the environment controlling the information individuals receive manipulating the conditions of the where they live and work using physical or psychological threats understanding the motivations and triggers that drive people to act a certain way someone who would use dark psychology would want to understand that so they can really drive their point home in a covert way so it's not being as obvious to the person that they're manipulating. I would say that either it comes natural, something that you learned from someone else, or you have to study to to really go, okay, this is what I want to set out to do, and how am I going to go about doing that? I think that's where it gets a little scary. Controlling the information of individuals receive. I can go even on a limb and even say that a president that uses Facebook is controlling what information people receive or use social media because it's not filtered by the media. Well, then it's uncontrolled, I would say. Well, he's controlling what information he's giving and not allowing other people to interpret what he's saying. Or edit it to their narratives. I guess in a way, so that manipulation... Wouldn't, that wouldn't be manipulating or dark psychology. That's just getting the entire message out in, its, in, in completion without... I guess in, if you were telling the truth 100% of the time, yes. But we can't verify everybody's telling the truth 100% of the time. No. Just saying I noticed that. That's all. I mean, the news media does it. I'm sure the three-letter agencies that have social media on their payroll are doing it. That's controlling the conditions on how people receive information. And I could be totally wrong. So That, to me, sounds like we're kind of implying that our government is using dark psychology. Oh, I'm not implying. To manipulate us. I'm not implying at all, Travis. You're saying it outright. I would. Yes, let me say it. <laughs> the government is using dark psychology against us. So let's explore that a little bit more. Let's. What are the main characteristics of someone using dark psychology? Narcissists. Machiavellianism. Antisocial personality disorders. Lack of empathy. Gaslighting. Emotional manipulation. Psychological projection. So these are some of the characteristics of... Someone that's using dark psychology or some of the tactics that they would use let's face it the first three i think are more of personality disorders then there's also something wrong with somebody that doesn't have any empathy for people and definitely something wrong with people gaslighting the first three narcissism machiavellianism and antisocial personality disorders lack of empathy i don't think that's like a personality disorder i think that's a problem with how somebody was brought up or that's not not necessarily a clinical type of thing like the other three are well like our buddy sage just said had some type of personality disorder because of the way he was raised yes but empathy is i i'm i'm not i'm not buying that one yet maybe maybe later buy that for a dollar i watched the new one of those that was actually, I, I thought the new one, 
I heard it was bad, but it was better than I thought. What's that, uh, RoboCop? Yeah. Yeah, the, it was great. The, the new one, not the old one. Yeah. I love with, the uh, old one. With uh, Michael Keaton in it. Yeah, yeah. What is psychological projection? Here's some information. I think that's going to be when uh, somebody uh, projects what they feel or what they're doing onto someone else to deflect attention from themselves. That's exactly what it is, Travis. Good job, buddy. Little walking dictionary. Well, I, I don't know. It's weird. Words have meanings, and I kind of know the meanings of a lot of words. So does the dictionary. Many people don't use it. He's a dictionary man. <laughs> Emotional manipulation. That's the formal word for ah, guilt trip. Okay, okay. Guilt trip. So there are some, that's exactly right, bro. There are certain stages of manipulation, if you're not aware. Flattery, isolation, devaluing, and gaslighting. And here's a big one, fear or violence. Which one would you say that's probably used more than anything? I would say fear. Fear and violence and sex, they also. There are different tactics that are used to manipulate. And we're going to go back to here in a second, uh, the difference between manipulation and persuasion. Manipulation tactics are guilt tripping, lying, flattery, projection, which we already discussed, moving the goalposts, triangulation, and love bombing. What is love bombing? Mr. Those Dictionary all sound Man. like uh, something we just talked about in our previous episodes. Propaganda. That's right. So this kind of all ties back to propaganda. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that love bombing, just showering them with flattery. Oh, well, that's flattery. another one. Flattery. Uh, what is and the love term bombing. love bombing? From dictionary.com, love bombing is the practice of showing a person excessive affection and attention as a way of manipulating them in a relationship. The lover boy. No, that that's a uh, Romeo. A Romeo. That's what the, that's what they accused of Andrew Tate of. Do you know what a Romeo is? Or like, yes, I do. A Romeo is someone that's trying to use flattery to convince, let's say, a young female underage to come and be with them. Everything's okay, baby. You're the most beautiful thing in the world. I know you're only twelve. Oh my God, it makes me want to throw up. Or in the urban community, sugar mama. And sugar daddy. Yeah, but I don't think there's a wrong wrong having sugar mama. <laughs> it's all manipulation. Just means she pays for everything. Nothing's genuine. It's all it's all selfish intent. So who's the victim in that case? Sugar mamas and sugar daddies. I would say the, the person with the money is the victim. I would say the same thing. Knowing so- a certain millionaire ourselves, we all know him. I think he's always people are always after his money. But his true friends are. And I think that's something that really goes un, un, unnoticed or, well, it, it's hard to say who the victim is because the person with the money could say, hey, yeah, this is just, you know, whatever. This is chump change to me. And he's getting what he wants or she's getting what she wants. When they're done, away yeah, you but go. Here's the thing. The genuine friend doesn't get the genuine. It's not reciprocating. So the sugar mama or the sugar daddy needs the person to use them in order to feel relevant. That's what they don't brutally tell a, anybody. I think it can be a yeah, playful term, it is. Too. Well, yeah. It's not the husband that isn't making as much money, stays home and takes care of the kids, and says, oh, that's my sugar mama. She pays for everything. <laughs> I don't think that's bad. With my downturn in patience, that's kind of me right now. Okay, sugar daddy. <laughs> no, I got a sugar mama. Oh, yeah, that's right. You do have a sugar mama. And she's sweet, too. She's a sweet lady. Well, thank you. Then that's, that term isn't applicable, if that's the case. I think it all comes down to intent, right? Yeah, you're right. The heart. Intent. 
There's that word again. Right? What did they say about the road to hell? What did they say, Drew? It's paved with good intentions. Dirty deeds. Good deeds do not get you in the head. (laughs) 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 Only if they're done dirt cheap. (laughs) They are quoting the satanic band. No, they're not. Is that what ACDC stands for? Antichrist devil. After Christ devil comes. I don't know. The whole term bad religion of the band isn't really necessarily against Christianity or any religion, even though they have an anti-cross, but... It was just meant to piss off older people. I think the same thing with Iron Maiden. But they're too. not singing anything about the devil at all. But let's face it, sometimes religion is bad. Isn't that what most of the wars have been fought over? I would say most of the wars have been fought over drugs. You know, the whole reason why I went to Vietnam, the whole reason why uh, England took over Hong Kong. Oh, World War Three is not going to be about drugs. World War Two wasn't about drugs. World War Three is about money, right. I would say most of the wars... Uh, the, I watched this documentary uh, a while back, many years ago, on the war on drugs, and they were talking about how mostly all wars are based off of drugs. Even the Crusades? I say in the majority of wars. That's one of the biggest wars. The Hundred Years' War. You know, the whole reason why England went to China was for the opium fields. China wasn't doing the opium, though. Not until England introduced it to them. Well, they were just like, this is pretty flour. Oh, I feel pretty good. Were they eating it, though? The difference between persuasion and manipulation, to persuade someone is to prevail on a person to do something, as by advising or urging, to induce to believe by appealing to reason or understanding, or to convince them. And that's just it, to convince them. Manipulate is a little bit different, though. It's to manage or influence skillfully, especially in an unfair manner. I think that's the key there. To adapt or change to suit one's purpose or advantage over someone else. I got this from the Institute of Public Speaking, the difference between manipulation and persuasion. And it kind of lines it all up. Persuasion is positive intentions for others or ourselves. It's predicated on open and respectful relationships. Value of team members as equals. They use active listening. They convince to impose build respect, rapport with the relationship, use their power to empower others, and high emotional intelligence. Yeah, that's I think the emotional intelligence is the key there. And that's that's really something that you find in good leaders. I wouldn't, yeah, in your great leaders or, or the bosses that you've had at work, they would generally have a high emotional intelligence to where you want to work for them because they make you feel good. And they show and they highlight the positives of what you're doing instead of always berating you and trying to manipulate you with, hey, if you don't do this, you don't get to go home early. Instead of, you know, instead of doing something like that, they say, hey, we hit our goals. We did this. Let's everybody get off work an hour early or something like that. You don't have to use your sick time, but you still get paid for that time. That's someone who you really want to work for. They make it easy to work for them. I think one of the most common ones. Uh, going back to the tactics of manipulation is guilt tripping. I think it's easy for people to do guilt tripping. I think it's too easy. I think it's really just the power of forgiveness, right? If you have the power to forgive, I'd say you're a very powerful person. I agree. I have the power to forgive. I'm not saying I'm the most powerful person, but Bible will teach you this. If you learn to forgive, you're set free. The other person's probably not even thinking about you. Doesn't care two pennies about you. But the resentment that you hold against that person, if you truly forgive them, there is no guilt tripping later because you've forgiven them. If you haven't forgiven them, then you're living with this burden on you 
your mental state that this person did wrong, and every time they mess up, you bring that back up. And I, and I think that's morally wrong. Again, if you have the power to forgive, you have, you're a pretty powerful person. I agree with that, yeah. The dark personality triad consists of Machiavellianism, narcissism, and psychopathy. Psychopathy. Previous research has shown a relationship between these traits and power-seeking, but has shown mixed results about whether or not they are related to political participation. One might think, what is a narcissist exactly? We hear this term a lot. Every time I hear it, I just think of somebody who's always looking in the mirror, always wanting to, thinking that they are the best at whatever they're doing physically or they're the best at whatever they're doing, no matter what it is. They're full of themselves, is what I think of. It's not going to go right until I, I'm a part of the, the process. It's not going to go. It's not going to be successful if I'm not leading it. Like you say, entitlement. You're starting to sound like you're a narcissist. Oh, you were talking about an example. Yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Entitlement. You know what I'm saying? It's just we see them every day, or we see traits of it every day. And actually, culturally, or society promotes those narratives or those. Those, those personality traits. I think that we found a nice little acronym that kind of hits on the symptoms or the signs of, a, of, of the classic narcissistic personality disorder, which is a diagnosable mental health condition in which a person believes they are better than everyone else. While many people have narcissistic traits, People with the narcissistic personality disorder have problems that affect their lives, relationships, and everyday life. And how fitting that this little acronym is Special Me. Awesome. I did a Google search on uh, the nine famous narcissists in history. You want to hear those? Let's see how they stack up to the Special Me. <laughs> Alexander the Great. Who cares? Henry VIII. Out of Who it. Who cares about what? Oh, out of it. They're talking about it in history. Napoleon Bonaparte. Adolf Hitler. Madonna, Miley Cyrus, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Mariah Carey, Donald Trump. That was a quick thumb through there. Are all known narcissists. Now. And if I go through the special me, I, 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 I let's I, just take one of them. Uh, the most popular one right now is probably Taylor Trump. Swift. Is she a narcissist though? I don't think she. She wasn't on the oh, list. Of course she is. That's an all-encompassing list. Uh, I'm sure it's biased in some way. I think they're on the right track. Do you want to uh, give an example? Yes, please. Uh, let's go with Kanye. No. The thing about Kanye is he's bipolar, I think. Well, let's, let's just go over Trump because it's easier. And Why not? He's, that he's like controversial. That, yeah. I'm just saying that everything on this list, Donald Trump is. <laughs> Nobody can do it better, guys. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't do it, Trump. Self-importance. Preoccupation of with power. He likes being in power. Mm, I think it's more success. Then yeah, but is he really that? I mean, I guess he's successful. But is I don't he really, really see him that successful. Is that a question? I was going to say, is he really that successful of a businessman? Because let's look at the university that failed. He's had a lot of failures. Okay, successful people fail. Why do Why do I feel that you're uh, successful? Defend, you're feeling defensive. Successful on this topic? people fail at things. That's how they become successful. Right, and I guess failing to pay people is also part of that. When. I would say that there's many accounts of Trump not paying people. Why haven't they come out? Because there's so much other crap on them that what I guess crap? it doesn't really matter. I, I don't know. Well, I'm one, because I know you have certain feelings towards him as well. Like, really. I'm kind of torn, to be honest. Because 
what I definitely think he's a narcissist. Whether his intent though is wrong, I don't know. Can, but I, can, I do tell you this though, he is arrogant. Uh, mm, he does have a lack of empathy. I have like a question for, about arrogance. I was waiting to get to that one later. But like, what's the difference between arrogance and confidence? I think it's all about how you relay how confident you are. I don't think you have to go telling everybody you're the best. Nobody can do it better. That's being arrogant. Well, I think that's a salesman skill set he acquired as a businessman. If you're putting it out there, what what do you always say? Um, put positive vibes out there. Speak good. Speak it into existence. Is that not what he's trying to do for himself? Is that more self-reassuring to himself as well? Obviously, we have different perspectives on the man, but I would say that he's arrogant. That's my perspective. Well, I, I, again, I'm just a neutral party here. You're talking about a guy that had to literally sell water to a whale. He had the skill set to persuade people. and that Persuade or manipulate? Both. It's a thin line between both. It's a thin line with him because he sold real estate. He's a businessman. So you got to think from a business businessman's mindset. He's not going to apologize about the decisions he makes because he's standing firm on the thing he's either trying to manipulate you with or persuade you with. He's trying to. He's standing firm. So that is we. He was never technically a politician. I think he he found himself in that role and had to make adjustments. But what we're seeing as arrogance is is actually confidence because he's got to sell. He's got to sell you something. And that that's the way his mind works. He lacks empathy because you're the opposition to him. Trump sees a lot of things as you're opposing him. So you're competition. Well, to him. I think that he had set out who the devil folk were. When Might as well give the definition of what devil folk is. Are we getting to that yet? Have, or how far down is that one? Devil folk's not on there. Well, I, I'm just kind of throwing it out there right now anyway. When he talks about the swamp, those are the devil folk. Who is the swamp? The lifetime politicians, the bureaucrats, the ones that are behind the scenes pulling the strings. So he's identified someone who I think most of us in this room can agree are not doing things in our best interest, in the people's best interest. When you say can only be around people who are important or special, he's around a lot of different people. He talks to them. He's able to display some sense of empathy towards their plight or whatever is going on with, with other people. Must be admired? I really don't think he cares. Because when someone says that he's doing something that's really good and this and that and the other... Come on, man. He said, I'm the greatest of all time. I'm the greatest. I'm no. the greatest. He didn't say that? He may, he may have said that. He plays the big, strong Messiah But figure. he does not take that role. He, he has actually, in his speeches... Deferred. No, that is not me. That is for Jesus Christ and, and God. One of the things you said about empathy that we need to put an emphasis on is there's a difference between pitying someone and having empathy for someone. Empathy means that I can put myself in your shoes because I've probably been there before and I could connect with you. Pity is, man, I've never been there. I can't relate. I'm disconnected, but I pity your situation and I'll help you to the best of my knowledge based upon it benefiting my agenda. I've never thought of that that way. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. One of his most effective lies is that he is the only is the only big strong man enough 
to do what needs to be done to kick everyone else's ass and make America great again. I think he proved that. Did he make America great again, though? It was going pretty damn good. Listen, I'm telling you now, gentlemen, I made more money with my business with him in office than any other time of any other politician in office. Uh, why? Because he was in office. That um, there are a lot of things that were available. There are a lot of things that, that he had that were more accessible. There, now you've got this real super stringent qualifications now and a lot of things of things that we rightfully as citizens had access to. And now they, they, they kind of put more stipulations on you being you having access to those benefits. Can a narcissist be good? I think you hit the nail on the head, though. You said he has narcissistic traits. I think we all have narcissistic traits. And I think most leaders need to have certain traits of a narcissist in order to make themselves feel like they can lead somebody. They have to possess some components of a narcissist in some perspective. And then with the emotional intelligence, they have to understand how far they can push that before people push exactly. back. Which is certain certain PowerPoints or certain key points of empathy and understanding the plight of the common man and connecting with the common man. Okay, here's the point that we have to prove as this podcast is Travis and I have known each other for 25 plus years. We know what our differences are. We're manipulating you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the point is, is that we can sit here civilly. Civilly? Is that a word? Yeah. We can sit here and not hate each other. In, it, in a uh, civil It's manner. not the Jaguars, which I'll talk trash about the Jaguars all the time. I'm not a Jaguars fan, so I don't I'll matter. never be a Jaguars fan, no matter what you say. But I'm an American fan. We're all Americans. We all want the same thing. We all want peace and prosperity. We want health. We want to live a long life. We want to be happy. I think those are all common grounds of things that we do want. We can't let this trivial stuff get in our way, stuff that we really don't have control over. This podcast is meant to make you aware of these things that we're talking about because nobody else is talking about these specific things, how to you know, it's a matter of you could be someone that manipulates someone or you have those traits. You're like, wait a minute, that's me. I think you just need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. I think it's a, it's a good learning experience, your own self. So there are other personality traits, part of that triad, Machiavellianism. The Machiavellianism is the use of clever but often dishonest methods. <laughs> Like my tongue got numb over the <laughs> The use of clever but often dishonest methods that deceive people in order to win power or control. Saving the scientists' misinformation, the press suggests that Machiavellianism is hard to support. What? Saying that scientists misinform the press suggests a Machiavellianism that is hard to support. The traits of Machiavellianism would be someone, not traits, but tactics that they use. Or, yeah, traits and tactics would be manipulation, self-interest, deceit. They're not emotional. They have high ambition, and there's always a sense of competition of better than someone else. To me, that spells Trump right there, too, man. But, like I said... Is it all positive? I mean, yeah, I, I think that we're... We... Did the Joker turn bad or turn good? So before all of this happened... Well, put it in your grass perspective. Did the, could the Joker become good? I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. But how about the Penguin? Uh, was the Joker really the good guy? I don't know. I didn't watch that movie. I should watch it. He the never Joker. killed an innocent person. Only Batman did. 
Did you and, guys watch and he was Flash? and he was persuaded in his 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 intent. He thought it was righteous. He had a righteous. He took down the crime bosses and and after after the Joker left, there was no crime in Gotham City. What happened to Batman? He left. What I like about Spider Man is that he doesn't kill people. What I was gonna say though is I remember when I was in California for a long time and we would just talk on the phone and whatnot. You were really not into Trump at all, even back then, and. I, I think that you know some of some of what he's done has really come off on you and you're able to look past some of his traits and see the good that he's actually done. Look man, everybody has their quirks. I get it. Uh, uh, right. People in my family have quirks that I don't necessarily like, but I can accept because I love them. Even figures in society that I I can take your perspective for example and go okay, and that's basically what it is, is that this podcast, if you stick with us, you I feel that you will grow. And by any means, if anybody wants to step up to the plate and give us some information about what they think of this podcast, go for it. Yeah, we, we'll take the criticism. We're totally open. I mean, it's the collective perspective. If anything, this podcast that we're doing, this experiment is more going to enrich our lives than anybody else's. I think it already has. I think it's made me a stronger person. Absolutely. And I've talked to people that have heard our show and they, they like what we're doing. They say, keep doing it. That's, that's, those are good topics. That's good. It's, it's a healthy psychological diet. You can, I can give you Snickers all day and tell you that's healthy. Healthy for real. Do you work for the sugar industry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this, this podcast gives you the ability to actually absorb healthy information for you to you to decide bad from good decide and to be exposed to healthy information that helps you helps you to be able to see things from a different perspective in society the next thing is psychopathy is that more like a psychopath if you take the why away so yes yeah it is and those those people are straight up crazy clinically i think where the other two may not be diagnosed but I'm sure a psychologist can diagnose you. I think a lot of us do have some similar traits, but we can't pinpoint that, okay, Jawad's a narcissist because he's not. <laughs> Jeff's a Machiavellianist. And I'm a psychopath. No. No. That's, that's, I, think Lord, that is, no. I think that's where it turns south. Like, if you're a psychopath, <laughs> you're, a psychopath <laughs> you're cuckoo. You belong in a mental institute. The behavior that conflicts with social norms is... So back back to psychopaths. Disregarding uh, or violating the rights of others. Back to psychopaths. I think the government is a psychopath. Uh, Biden is a psychopath. What? I didn't say that. He don't even know. I think Biden is uh, beyond this chart. The inability to distinguish between right or wrong. That's Biden. Well, that's because dementia, maybe. Difficulty with uh, showing remorse or empathy. Tendency to lie often, manipulating and hurting others, reoccurring problem with the law. Hunter Biden. Those are all psychopaths. Now, my question is, is that to be diagnosed as psychopath, how many percentage of each one of those do you have to have? <laughs> I'd have to look into the DSM-4 or the, uh, what, what are we at, DSM-5 now, I think. It's a diagnostic of psych... Uh, I think we can look into the G-O-O-G-L-E. Yeah. <laughs> Or the B-R-A-V-O? J-F-G-I. Or is it Brave? Bravo or Brave? J-F-G-I. Just fucking Google it. Mm -hmm. To move forward here, 
I thought it was important to mention the term gaslighting. We've talked about that previously, but it still plays an important part in what we're talking about today. Yeah, that's because gaslighting is a form that. of misinformation. That's right. Absolutely. Which we discussed. Disinformation. Disinformation or misinformation? Either way. Gaslighting has an intention behind it, where misinformation, there is no intent. To deceive. I would say it's disinformation, right. So the term gaslighting comes from a 1938 play called Gaslighting. Do you guys know the, the story gaslight. about that? The Gaslight, sorry. 1938 play called Gaslight, where the husband turns down the house lights for their home, and then the wife asks about it, and he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And I think that's the most common way of manipulation other than this next topic that we're going to talk about. But let's talk about gaslighting. Denies events, manipulating memories, trivialize your feelings, blaming the victim, isolating the victims, mind games, projecting, and trivialize. So, hey, yeah, I could have swore those lights were up a little bit brighter the other day. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Denying the event. Yeah, so do you have a common day example of that, though? Who's gaslighting us right now? Alien. What about them? Alien. I'll deny it. They've got so many accounts of it, but I'll make it seem like you are losing your mind. You didn't see that in the sky, Jawad. Yes, I did. I experienced that. I saw that with my own two eyes. No, you didn't. No way. We don't believe you. But here's the beautiful part about that. The person that is gaslighting the individual has actual documentation of actual aliens that exist. And the government is now coming out formally and saying, we actually do. We have documents. We have. But now they, they're coming out and saying, okay, yes, we do have classified documentation. So I think when it comes to that, what they've come out with to back up that claim now that aliens are there, it's not your backwoods redneck or someone out in the middle of the desert saying, oh, I saw some lights and I saw this. It's fighter jet pilots who are, they have to be keen and they're very intelligent and they their senses are heightened when they're up in the jet doing Mach 2 or whatever, however fast they're, they're cruising up there. They've got to be able to make split-second billion-dollar decisions when they're in the cockpit up there. And if they're seeing stuff and stuff is flying away from them faster than they're going, because as far as they know, they're the fastest thing up there. And something that can change direction without banking is just a 90-degree right turn, and they're gone? Whoa. And they maneuver some of the fastest machines in, in the world. You can, you can mock, what, two, three, something like that? Well, the SRS-71, the Blackbird, fastest airplane in the world, almost Mach 10. Like, the, that thing, freaking... And you've got alien life form whizzing past them and then, then cutting a cutting a left... You just you just don't it's should have took a defies physics Albuquerque but yeah to answer your question with gaslighting that that's gaslighting a current uh, example of gaslighting yes current current example in researching this topic a little bit further more to all this than what we read and what we talked about and I think is probably the most I think it's probably more important than what we were talking about because it's more we can relate to a little bit better. And these are some things that will really get you here. Have you guys heard of the word or the term moral panic? You have? What is your, just off the top of your head. What In you, passing. What, what is it to you? Um, fear mongering. It's uh, 
COVID. I think moral panic. Mo- I think moral panic would be playing on the norms and morals and the and the beliefs of majority of the people, and making it an emergency, uh, making it something to panic over. To me, that's kind of what moral panic sounds like when you, if you were to kind of define it. So, for our listeners, if you're wondering where I get this information, a lot of it's just if you Google different sentences, they come up with in uh, different terms. So, here's a couple different whacks at it. Okay. Moral panic is a widespread feeling of fear, often an irrational one, that some evil person or thing threatens the values, interests, or well being of community or society. Many sociologists have observed that those in power ultimately benefit from moral panics. They lead to increased control of the population and the reinforcement of authority of those in charge. Others have commented that moral panic offers a mutual beneficial relationship between news media and the state. So as you guys heard in the, the episode before, uh, two before this, believe in America, not the media. This is exactly so that. So I think that this also comes back to, I'm going to have to look this up, never let a good crisis go to waste. Hmm. So moral panic had repeatedly driven policy when states and federal government have regulated drugs. Responding to that panic, legislators have authorized severe sentences for drug offenders by design. Article 3 gives U.S. Federal judges' independence in part to protect fundamental rights against mob rule. Moral panic is hyped up to fear about monocuous persons, things, or events. Some, but not all, moral panics are deliberate attempts to manipulate the public outrage. For example, the U.S. media. Matt Taibbi wrote a book called Hate Incorporated. And Trump is a good example of that, is that they used Trump to put us, I mean Americans, against each other, specifically Republicans and Democrats. I think those in the middle, like ourselves, kind of just got onto it and go, okay, well, that's, you guys are arguing. Those are the two teams that are arguing. I'm not on either of those two teams, even though we're all on the same team. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. But traditional media and social media and political propaganda, there we go with propaganda, may converge to facilitate moral panics. Travis mentioned earlier about devil folk. Do you know what the term devil folk means? Devil folk is a person or a group of people who are portrayed in folklore or in media as outsiders and who are blamed for crimes and all sorts of things. For example, the war on drugs. The war on drugs. Super, what did uh, Hillary Clinton call them? Super, no, 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 she called them super, super thugs or something like that. She, in the 90s, she called them super something. I forgot what drug dealers or drug addicts or I forgot what she called them. Super something. Deplorable? Sonic the Hedgehog. Patriotism is moral panic. Um, communism back in the day was moral panic. And, and it attacked a certain group of people. If you weren't for us, you're against us. Yeah, I mean, even goes back to the 1960s. Uh, I don't know if you heard this, but the difference between mod and rockers. It was probably the most, the first notable time where moral panic was uh, noticed, I guess is a good word. The first moral panic, yeah, discussed in sociological literature, even Matt Taibbi even has that in his book too, or uh, he's wrote about it, but I don't know if you know this, but mods and rockers. So mods were 
sharp dressed suits, rode mopeds, but they were outsiders to what everybody else was in Britain, as well as the rockers who were more like uh, Hell's Angels and skinheads and soccer hooligans and all that kind of stuff fits in there. But in the 1960s, these, these two groups of people would go to the beaches in South England and leading to widespread fear that the youth undermining traditional values and law and order. And long, long story short is the media made up stories about them vandalizing and stealing and crime in the South Beaches because they didn't want them there. It wasn't that they were doing that. Moving forward, the war on drugs is considered moral panic. Critical race theory is considered it. Did you have one? Just tangent upon what I was trying to figure out what she was saying. But in 1996, she coined the phrase super predators. Yeah, that's moral panic as well. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. As okay. well as disappearing childhood. Basically, you're like growing up too fast. Immigration are a group who are the topic of reoccurring moral panics. The media are quick to jump on issues in migrants diluting national entities committing crimes and putting a burden on welfare systems, which include 2018 term elections, widespread fear of migrant caravans. You remember the caravans that were coming from Central America? Did they ever show up? Have you seen the new ones? Dude. Yes, they did show up. Okay. The Australian boat people crisis reached peak in the 2010s. The European Union fear of migrants coming from Africa. The fear. This is a topic that perhaps deserves some nuance, given that the fact that open, if you have open borders, Israel. There's a, are not open borders. Israel doesn't have an open border? Well, then how did the Hamas get in there? They tunneled. They paraglided. They, they paraglided. came in on the beach. Good for them. They're, should I say that? Dang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. The thing about migration in the U.S. is that the media, and I've seen reports of people trying to go down there and show what's happening, and then they, no cameras, which I. The Bolsheviks. Yeah. There's definitely something going on there. The Devil's Music. Hold. Ah, that's a big one. Rock and roll. That's a good Remember, one. Remember uh, Twisted Sister, Tipper Gore. I was going more towards Back to the Future. But HIV and AIDS, the war on terror, mugging, QAnon. And one thing, wait, wait, hold on, QAnon? QAnon. Call it QAnon. The media does. But it's a moral panic created by the left. But as, as I've explained before. It's a left wing moral panic. As, not, as I've explained before, it's Q and Anons. There is no Q anon. Well, that's how I say it, okay? That's how the media wants you to say it. That's how I read it, bro. I don't think the media does. <laughs> Maybe they did subliminally. Uh, tide pools. Tide pool. Tide pods or tide pool? Pods. Sorry, tide pods. <laughs> tide pools. <laughs> the war on Christmas. Paganism in the Roman Empire. Those are all creating moral panics. Check this one out. Salem witch trials. Which, you know, I was reading something about the Salem witch trials, and they're saying that there was some type of wheat back in the day they were eating that if it had some type of mold on it, you started hallucinating. And that's actually where people started seeing Yes, that is... um... The Columbine Massacre. There are some criticisms of moral panic theory, political bias. It's a, evident in this discussion that there is plenty of opportunities to be accused of being a political bias. And it's true. The entire concept of moral panic is has a general theme. Usually it's perceived that the conservatives are causing panic while liberals are rational actors pushing against exaggerated fear mustering. This, I think, is a legitimate criticism of the theory. So, you know, I think this really goes into 
what I said earlier, never let a good crisis go to waste. I was trying to research where that came from, and it's been in a couple of places, and one of them was actually in a medical economics journal where a doctor in 1976 said, don't waste a crisis, your patients or your own. What he meant by this was that a medical crisis can be used to improve aspects of personality, mental health, or lifestyle. The political use, this is a comment on, where are we at? Freakonomics. This is on Freakonomics. Oh, I love that show. The political use of the phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste, is based upon the points made in Sal Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, page 89, in the section marked Communication, in the Arena of Action. A threat or a crisis becomes almost a precondition to communication. Taking advantage of any crisis, whether real or manufactured, is a common tool used by those waging war in antithesis, often incorrectly referred to as political purpose. When used in this way, crises and its extreme amplification as thinking and acting as a group is no longer a tactic of protest, but instead a tactic of ideological subversion, which is used to bring about totalitarian government control via socialism or communism. Going back to what Jawad was saying, COVID is a moral panic. It definitely was. It played a role in the formation of moral panics by amplifying the feeling or threat and fear that some groups represent to others. And it was a fear, almost like a phobia, if you would. It was an unfounded phobia of those who didn't want to get vaccinated or even of the virus or the the condition itself like more intimate perspective because you were on the front line the entire time yeah so you can clearly give an give a perfect example of that from even your workplace on the front line i'm morally conflicted on that because i am a, you know that that is my job i work in healthcare and at the time when it came out i was against and still am against the vaccine and I never did testing myself, so I don't know if I had it or not. I've never caught it that I know of. I've never done testing. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I've ever had it. Me, me neither. I've, I don't know on record if I've ever had COVID. I didn't document my illness. I don't think I have to. But I Johnson. definitely did get the vaccine. I, I got the... Uh, Moderna? No, no, no. I got the... Uh, Pfizer. Yeah, Pfizer, yeah. So speaking of shots, I think we've given our listeners a good dose of dark psychology. Nice. Pun intended. <laughs> uh, we hope we've manipulated you into, I'm sorry, we hope we've persuaded you to think in a different perspective, or at least we hope you did. We're going to close this out with a Bible verse that I felt that was very important. The word of the Lord states as such in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty where people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, riot-loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. That's right. At all costs. Listeners, avoid those people. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Collective Perspective. See you on the flip side. Salutations. Deuces. Peace out.